Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. We wanted to give a big thank you to our listener, Jonathan Ring. He gave us all some early Christmas presents, and we couldn't be more grateful. A mic shock mount and a stand, this will help us limit the number of ambience noises you hear in our pod. Apparently, John was tired of it, so he fixed the problem himself. Thank you for the gifts, John, and thank you for supporting the pod and being a loyal listener. Thanks a bunch. Thank you so much for helping to sponsor our pod, John. We really appreciate it. Hey everybody, this is James and Marco and Abil and this is the Movie Pals podcast, podcast number 37. Today we're going to be going over what we've been watching, a topic of the week brought to you by Marco and followed by a review of the new animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right, guys, let's go over what we've been watching. Let's start with Marco. What's been going on? I've seen quite a few stuff, as usual. But this time around, I got to see a movie that our pal here, James Ring, actually recommended not too long ago. I saw 2018's First Man, which is a historical... Yeah. It's a good one, yeah. The historical drama about the first landing on the moon. And as you all know, as James mentioned before, it stars Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong and Corey Stahl as Buzz Aldrin, along with an entire ensemble of other actors that I will not mention. You can just go back and listen to James' review or his uh, quick synopsis of that. But I overall really enjoyed the movie. Uh, I agreed with everything you said, James. The cinematography is great. The... Uh, characters, although based on real people, they're they're still portrayed pretty well. So, uh, like I said, it's almost like a horror film in a way. Like, kind of. Like, there's a lot of shit that happened leading to, up to this. To a point, it's like a suspense film. Definitely. The 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 movie is going in in one direction, then all of a sudden it it jerks you to the left, and something big happens, and you're kind of thrown back, thinking, "Oh shit, I was not expecting that." Even yeah. even though it's you know probably something that you can look up or wikipedia or something but the man the cinematography and the score again you know i'm a sucker for music score was just fantastic and it's it's well done uh damien chazelle i think i'm botching his name yeah no did uh, an incredible job with this Uh, to to be able to synchronize that is key to making a movie like this work i think it it kind of was like a combination of 2001's A Space Odyssey along with Interstellar, just the way it was shot and the way some of the scenes danced around with the music. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Gosling killed it as uh, Neil Armstrong. I don't know too much about the real-life astronaut, but uh, knowing Gosling's skill as an actor, he, he did incredible i i don't think this guy can do anything wrong so um really great you learn a little bit about buzz aldrin and the type of person he was as james mentioned before and uh yeah he's kind of a dick in the movie i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna hold back he's kind of a dick 
But I mean, I guess that's kind of the uh, the person he was. Still a legend, though. Second person to land on the moon. Overall, uh, I recommend it. I think it's uh, an incredible film that's done well, performed well, and the the lunar landing, as James mentioned when he brought this movie up, really is just breathtaking because it's yeah, it's just I was unreal. Like, did they shoot this on the moon? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> fucking unreal. How did they do this? Oh, so um, that means the moon landing was staged, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Nabil. Of course, mm. definitely. I was like, mm, this can't be. I was like, where where did um where did the director come in? Issue. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't seen it, um, it's probably not going to be. It's probably not in theaters. Anymore. I don't think it is anymore. Should be coming out home release probably soon. Yeah, I was actually lucky enough to catch it right before it left theaters. So. Um, definitely check it out once it comes out for streaming or if uh, you happen to rent it on Redbox or wherever you watch your movies. If you're a fan of sci-fi or any of the movies like Interstellar or 2001 A Space Odyssey, then you'll definitely like this movie. The other film I watched is Clint Eastwood's The Mule, his uh, latest uh, historical drama, or actually crime drama, if you will. It's based on a true story, but... It's it takes its I guess it, its own take on the true story. I've it's never actually, I didn't know it was based on the true story. Yeah, it's directed by Clint Eastwood himself, and it stars Clint Eastwood as Earl Stone, uh, Bradley Cooper as DEA agent Colin Bates, and surprisingly enough, Michael Pena is in it, and he plays Bradley Cooper's partner. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, based off of the real life story of Earl Stone, who for ten years was a drug mule for the Sinaloa cartel. So um, the movie takes vast differences from the from the actual tale. In the movie, it's actually the last two years. Well, yeah, the last two years before uh, Earl Stone gets captured. They don't go through the entire decade like the true story goes. But overall, I enjoyed it. I guess. Is it's it like, like a, it's more of like the recent Clint Eastwood movies where it's kind of like, hmm, seems like a, you might have rushed sl- this. I saw it as well, and <laughs> it's a slow burn. Is it? Yeah, it is. I Were you thinking Grand Torino, and then you're like, hmm, uh, not it's, quite. It's entertaining, but when you, when, it's just very, just slow. There's not, not a lot of actions happening. The I think, I found for myself, the most interesting parts were the scenes of him actually being the mule and yeah. dealing with the cartel, but I didn't find his personal life very interesting in one of those scenes. No, I think this is sad, but yeah. the, the trailer does a better job at the exposition with his life. Yeah. And it's more drawn out in the movie a little too much. Like you get, you kind of get the fact that Earl Stone is a piece of shit. Well, not exactly a piece of shit. He's, he's a workaholic and he puts his flower business before his family but the way they show it in the movie, it, it's just kind of looming in the background. I don't know if you enjoyed it, Nabil, or not, but it's just not done well. And it's, yeah, it's kind I, of messy. And you don't really sympathize too much until the very end. Because no, you really don't feel the disconnect. Because when they show you where he is in his stage of life, when they introduce you. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, he's already is he like literally like 90 something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because so. basically, he's, he's a florist. His florist business is going under because of the internet and technology so he becomes desperate and he's losing money and so many other things occur in his life that push him towards becoming a mule for the drug cartel an opportunity arises he takes it so on and so forth it's a very basic straightforward story 
it's okay, but one, it's not as accurate as a real life story, and two, it's very it's very slow. So I mean, if if you're a Clint Eastwood fan, you'll probably enjoy it, but I wouldn't say that this is something you should definitely rent right away when it's out. So hmm, okay, yeah. Overall, it's neither a nay or a yay for me. It's just kind of like right in between. So gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've been watching though. Um, I'll update you guys on uh, some other TV shows and other movies that I've caught up on. But uh, what about you, James? What have you been watching? So I finally got to watching the movie Exodus, Gods and Kings, the 2014 Ridley Scott film that is an interpretation about the story of Moses. Is it just as epic as Kingdom of Heaven? I thought you saw it. You didn't see it? I have not seen it still. Yeah, it's not not that good. No. It wasn't good. Um, Christian Bale plays Moses, and basically it is the telling of how he leaves Egypt after it's discovered that he's Hebrew because of a prophecy by, uh, like, Ben Kingsley's in the movie, too. And when he's visiting, like, a local um, town or something like that, it's revealed to him that he's part of a prophecy. It's revealed that he's the Mandarin. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's dropped in that it's um, kind of just thrown in, kind of. It's like, oh, you're part of this. And I'm like, hmm, that seems kind of convenient. You know, I thought for the most part that his kind of jump to being like religious is kind of out of nowhere. Oh, and really? knowing the story fairly well myself, I mean, I was raised Catholic and I, you know, I pray once in a while, but um, I don't recall it being like this. <laughs> for instance, like Christian Bale, first off, there's a lot of whitewashing in this movie. Oh, of course. I mean, we have Joel Edgerton as like Ramsey's the second, which doesn't wow. make a lot of sense either. And then, um, like Ben Mendelsohn's in this one, he's a viceroy. Oh, I didn't know that. I exactly right. I don't feel like a lot of people saw this movie. Oh, I'm sure a lot. <laughs> Sigourney of Weaver shows up too as Ramsey's wow. mom, just because you know. Why not? Ridley Scott is like I love Sigourney Weaver, mm-hmm. Alien, and shit like that. So the movie, the pacing of it is just not well done. I think the first hour is pretty slow. It's a two and a half hour long movie. Of course, it's an epic. I will say visually though, it is really good looking. Especially, I have it in 4K, so I got the kind of higher resolution on this one. And overall, the movie itself, it looks good. And also, like, when the plagues hit Egypt, it looks, it's actually really cool looking. And they kind of almost explain, like, this is why that could have happened. Or, you know, Uh maybe not religious, but maybe it was religious because of things that happened. Um, I mean, regardless, they parted the sea at one point. So I was like, well, <laughs> well I mean, what is, it, is it based that? kind of more like in a true telling? No. A quote unquote true telling? No, not even. Just... He's he's talking to like an angel or God at one point, too. But uh, Christian Bale comes off as like extremely unlikable in this movie. And he's supposed to be Moses. And from what I've heard, like Moses wasn't exactly the nicest guy. So this could be kind of something that Christian Bale just was like, this is my Moses, you know, because <laughs> he gets into acting. And I know some Very behind the scenes stuff is like he he read the entire like Old Testament, like front and back and wrote tons of notes on everything and went to Amy. He did like method on it again. Right. Which is a typical like Christian Bale thing. Then they have like just random people that don't ever show up again and they have some big names. So there's a lot of like wasted potential in this movie, I think. For instance, like Sigourney Weaver is literally in one scene. Huh. And then she, you never see her again, and they make a big deal out of it. I'm like, man, where the fuck did she go? And then Aaron <laughs> Paul from Breaking Bad is in this oh. movie. He plays Joshua, and I mean, he says maybe two sentences in this entire movie. Is a uh, bitch one of the words that he uses? In? <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay, it's just some one of those things where I mean, I think they assume you know the story as a lot of people do. It's one of those movies you take with a grain of salt. But I mean, it took me four years to finally check this one out. Right. So. 
it's definitely not a movie I'd say you have to run out and see. Um, there's much better interpretations. versions of <laughs> interpretations of this. I mean, just go. I mean, even like the Ten Commandments is better than this, man. And you it know, sounds like a nay. That's also whitewashing too. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least it's got better source material. Like it plays it off better too. Yeah, it's like a nay for me. Um, the second movie I saw was the Netflix film Mowgli: Legend of the Jungle. Um, so this is a a, a Jungle Book movie, but it's not like the Disney one from 2016. It's a darker tale on it. So this is from Andy Serkis, who is mostly known for his mo capturing. This is his second film he's directed. So he did like Golem, King Kong, Tintin. Actually, he's in that too. Um, so this movie is a darker tale that's supposed to be closer to the source material as well. I can't actually confirm that, of course, because I don't really know. I guess the Jungle Book is technically a series of stories, yeah. and Mowgli is just a seg- section of that one. It is. Yeah. So this is actually much truer. It's very, it's not gory, but it's pretty violent, this movie. Like, people die. Oh, and people sounds like get rep- something. It's like, it's really showing you, like, the... What would really be happening? Yeah, the dangers of the jungle. There's, right. like, life and death situations. It's about, like, your part in the jungle, I guess, and, mm-hmm. like, how things die for a reason. It's actually kind Circle of a good of message, kind of stuff. Kind of a little bit like that. So no singing in this one either. There is no singing at all. <laughs> this one is Bare necessities. No, no. Baloo okay. is actually. I mean, they're like I said, they're more like the characters from the book. So first off, all star cast. Really for this movie, Christian Bell is Bagheera. He's the Panther. So they did mo capturing on all the faces and stuff too. So all the face shots are really well done in this movie. Any close-ups? I'd say the CG is a little rough at times for long shots. I wrote in my little review about this as well. Kate Blanchett is Ka, the snake. Um, nice. Benedict Cumberbatch is Shere Khan. That's cool. And he's practically a perfect Shere Khan. It's funny. Right. Second time he's been a Khan, right? So, <laughs> uh, Dad jokes yeah. all day. Let's go. <laughs> uh, he does. I mean, he's done voice work before, and he's absolutely fantastic right. too. Uh, Naomi Harris is Nisha, who is Mowgli's um, like adopted wolf mom. Yeah. And then um, Andy Serkis, the director himself, plays Baloo, who is in this one more of like a drill sergeant almost, and he teaches the wolves kind of how to survive in the... Baloo um, teaches the wolves? Yeah, that's Baloo's role. And he's oh. like a scarred up, messed up looking um, bear who's been in all these fights and stuff. It's actually really yeah. cool. Interesting. It's, it's kind of weird for Andy Serkis to release this, knowing that Disney is doing all their kind of live action movies as well. He did, but he had announced this actually around the time that um, The Jungle Book in 2016 was announced too. So uh, his take on it is that it's a darker tale, and right. it does not follow that movie at all. This is completely different. Which is probably why it was released on Netflix. It was. I mean, they bought up the rights to it. It did have a limited release, by right. the way, just to let you know, back in October. So it did come out in like 3D and stuff like that. And then it had like a worldwide release, actually in India, which is nice because the movie takes place and was shot on location. That's cool. Which is nice, as opposed to Jungle Book, which was shot on a stage entirely. Um, I thought Christian Bale was fantastic in this one. He hasn't done a lot of voice work outside of like Pocahontas and Howl's Moving Castle. So this is his third time doing any kind of a voiceover. And he's just, man, he's just really good. But yeah, overall, I would say it's on Netflix. Definitely give it a look. I uh, I really uh, I really enjoyed it. So, Nabil, uh, what have you been watching? Well, no surprise here for both of you. Uh, I watched <laughs> more British things. <laughs> Fuck, okay. here we go again. <laughs> no, hey, you know what? Culture. Go for it. It's they make really good drama. I mean, compared to a lot of the other things I watch, I think uh, the Brits got me sold. I I mean, 
Obviously. Good God, let's go back to the last 36 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm a zonk out on this one. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I watched, uh, so I watched a show that's on Netflix, just came out, called The Bodyguard. And no, it's not the Whitney Houston Kevin Costner film. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> no, I've heard about this one. It's a star is uh, Richard Madden, who is from uh, Game of Thrones fame. He played as King Rob Stark. Yeah. The King of the North. The King of the North. Yes. Um, and he stars as David Budd. And the story is exactly what the name is. It's about a bodyguard. He, it tells kind of the story of a heroic but volatile war veteran. He's now working as a special protection officer for uh, some royalty and some politicians, um, a kind of a special for a special branch of the London police, where he's assigned to protect a very ambitious home secretary whose politics he doesn't really believe in, um, but he finds himself torn between his duties and his beliefs. And he's kind of responsible for her safety and trying to figure out what actually is her biggest threat. Is she the problem or is he the problem? So, um, and that's kind of just an overall synopsis about it. It's six episodes. Each episode is about an hour, a little bit over. That's usually how the British shows work. But a lot of drama from the get-go. Like, there's there's a, it opens up an event regarding uh, a bombing on a train that that may or may not be happening. And yeah. he's he's working on that threat. And then kind of transitions him into this kind of uh, special forces officer protect on a detail to protect a politician. Um, hmm, okay. And you can't really say too much without spoiling events. But I heard it kind of changes up after the first episode, right? Yeah. So the first episode starts with with the uh, potential bombing, and then it transitions into him being um, the protector of the or uh, attached to the politician. And then for three or four episodes. That is pretty much the main focus. And then another event happens, and then he's kind of tasked to focus on something else. And I'm hmm, now okay. on the last episode um, of the season, so episode and, uh, Where is this on right now? This is on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I saw a trailer for it, because it, it popped up, and of course, the first thing I think of is the, the Kevin Costner Winnie Houston movie. <laughs> but uh, I saw that the King of the North was in it, and it piqued my interest, and the, the trailers looked pretty good yeah i heard it's a good one to like binge it is it's really good to just watch back to back Uh, yeah six episodes it's got it's got to be pretty tight you you spend yourself you know half the day or something like that you'd be fine i will say that um i'm really impressed by richard madden's role in this the guy the main character david bud um from only i've seen a couple movies he's done and um, i don't think i've seen him outside of game of thrones yeah game of thrones is like is really his best role um and watching this He's in his regular accent, so he's Scottish, and he play, just plays off with his Scottish accent. And you, it's kind of weird at first to adjust from him being one character to this one because he's very depressed. He's got he's suffering from uh, PTSD from being in combat, and um, so hasn't kind of recovered from that. And the way he plays his character and how he kind of snaps in uh, to shape when there's a, a crazy stuff happening, it's it's you feel tense and you feel in it, and you you're just kind of involved in it and you don't really know when something crazy is going to happen like all of a mm-hmm. sudden it's just kind of typical british show people talking about nothing about doing laundry or some crap and then all of a sudden <laughs> all of a sudden the whole world is ending around him and somebody needs to step up and solve it and it's it's crazy um, you, you saw the whole thing already i'm, I'm on the last episode of the oh, season okay. and everything um i've started most most of the episode something halfway through and everything seems to be converging from things you didn't think really mattered from the first episode mm-hmm. to now so they they're doing a really good job at putting everything together and i 
I'm sure it's going to be a really good climax at the end of it. Oh, nice. So, I mean, if you're looking for something drama, uh, dramatic and something really gritty and, and just different, really, I don't know. This is the holiday season, so a lot of people look for something a bit uplifting. No, that sounds cool. But um, I, I really do highly recommend this show. This is um, something that I think you guys would actually enjoy, too. Just something a little different and, and a good way to get into um, some some more British serious dramas. British dramas. Yeah. The other thing I did watch, I watched a movie called The Favorite. Um, this stars Olivia Coleman as... Queen Anne, Emma Stone as Abigail, and Rachel Weisz as Lady Sarah. And this is actually based in the early 18th century England, uh, based off of Queen Anne. She she was kind of sick near her senior years of uh, rule, and she occupies, occupies the throne, and her close friend, which is Lady Sarah, starring uh, Rachel Weisz, governs the country in her stead for the most part because she's kind of ill. But a new servant comes in, Abigail, which is Emma Stone, and kind of charms the queen and that causes conflict between Lady Sarah, Rachel Weiss, and Emma Stone's character, Abigail. And that's and this is loosely based off of a true story and some rumors um, about okay. the end of Queen Anne's life. So it's not all 100% truth, but... It's like it, speculation. Yeah, there's a little bit of speculation. Um, so is it like a drama? Is it a comedy? It's, it's, it's a dramedy. It's a, I would say it's a dark comedy. Okay. Because the trailer is like, it's kind of funny. Yeah, but it's really not. It's In a, that like, British dry way. Yeah, like, it's, oh. you're going to get that. There's a lot of things that happen that I just didn't expect. The trailer How long is this movie, by the way? Uh, about I think about two hours, just under two hours. Is the pacing pretty good? Yeah. You, okay. you, you don't feel like anything's running too long. It just kind of keeps going, and you want to see what's going to happen next. And then it just ends. One of those? Yeah. I want to I see it eventually. I, I highly recommend watching it just for where you, you really don't know where the story is going because I didn't know this about Queen Anne's life and I don't want to say too much to for people that want to watch it to yeah. spoil it for them. But I will say that the rivalry between Lady Sarah and Abigail, you don't really expect her to be much of anything. Um, and the way they introduce the characters, you kind of get the opposite. You you feel one way about them when they're introduced and you feel something different at the end of it between them. I think the, the shots are great. The music is really good and you really don't know what's going to happen in each scene. So um, definitely recommend watching. Yeah, nice. I may check that one out too. The, yeah. the trailer looked interesting. It that one is as well. currently in limited release. Yes. All right. So let's move on now, guys, to our topic of the week. It's the topic of the week. Okay, so keeping in tune with uh, the type of movie we're about to review, I thought that it'd be great for us to go over an animated film that doesn't have to be a top favorite, but one of your favorites that we would recommend to either a fan or a friend or just anyone we know. So that being said, uh, what animated film would you recommend to a fan or a friend? And we're going to do something a little different here. We're not going to mention Pixar or uh, famous Disney cartoons because those are some that... I feel almost, like everybody has seen Yeah, everybody right? has seen those. So we're going to try to pick films that have maybe are lost gems or some that are obscure and that you maybe have not heard of. So that being said, let's start with James. Which animated film would you recommend? So for mine, I wanted to choose something that I actually owned. And it's kind of hard, actually, <laughs> outside of Disney or Pixar films. I don't know if you guys ran across like an like an issue like finding something. Like, man, where the hell is a good animated film I could recommend to someone? Because as you know, we do have a lot of listeners that have kids. So Yeah. And I feel like outside of 
I think Disney does a great job of kind of reminding people of their older films. Right. I mean, we constantly have um, re-releases of older movies, like The Lion King just got released in 4K, and they're doing a live-action remakes of practically everything now. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so they've done a great job, but other films have not done the greatest jobs, especially, I mean, when we get to Marco, like Don Bluth films especially. Yeah. For mine, though... I went with kind of a more obscure 3D-esque kind of film, 2011's The Adventures of Tintin. Now, look at this. It was long claimed the ship was carrying a secret cargo. But no one has found a clue until now. The model ship conceals a clue to one of the greatest secrets in all history. I'm warning you. Get out where you still can. These people do not play nice. I will find that ship, with or without your help. So, this was a movie directed by Steven Spielberg. It's uh, based on the Tintin comics, which were popular. They're from they're French comics, actually, uh, translated to practically every language. Are you familiar with that, Nabil? Oh, yeah. You I give was me a the big eye. Tintin fan. I was <laughs> I was super excited when they announced that film, and I, was, I wasn't I was disappointed when it came out. I was sad that it didn't do as well as it should have. It, I mean, it's a good movie, actually. It's yeah. not bad. It's got, it's got a lot of potential, and it was supposed to be one of those things where the first movie was going to be directed by Steven Spielberg. The second movie would be um, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Right. And we, as we know with every movie he does, um, it's, gonna, it's got a 50-50 chance of coming out, so... <laughs> It didn't happen. So basically, it's about a reporter named Tintin, and he's on an adventure with this guy named Captain Haddock, and they set off to on a treasure hunt for a sunken ship that is supposedly was like taken over by Haddock's ancestors, and they're getting chased by a bad guy. That's all I'll say. There's like there's actually a couple twists in this movie. Yeah, there was. So the movie was oh, wow. Mo captured. Was that? Oh, I just I was impressed that it had a lot of twists. In oh animated, yeah, in an animated film, that's pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a more an adult-esque. Yeah, I'd say like a teen or teenager. Yeah, not exactly for younger crowd, because I mean, there are, I mean, aren't they fighting Nazis at one point? Yeah, So it's like Jamie Bell plays Tintin, as we know. Which is even better. Yeah, he actually does really well in it, too. Andy Serkis, which I just, you know, (laughs) uh, is Captain Haddock. Uh, Daniel Craig plays the bad guy, Saccharine, so... um, and then Nick Frost and Simon Pegg play Thompson and Thompson, which are the two blumbering, idiotic policemen yeah. that are famous in the comics. Uh, the reason why I enjoyed this film is that the story itself is actually really well done. It's pacing that's good for even like kids or adults. When I was studying French in Berkeley, too, I um, always did the Tintin comics as my kind of assignments <laughs> because they were kind of easier to follow i mean just i like pictures yeah the pictures help i was gonna say i was like oh no look um the mo capturing is really well done too back in the day for a movie that came out seven years ago they do really well because all the actors acted out their parts and they did the cg on top of it so it's one of those movies that i think still holds up and i've seen recently that's pretty cool so it's a movie that has plenty of adventure action comedy it's a really just good combo and i feel like as nabil said it didn't do well when it came out, yeah, it was riddled with problems with with budget. It went way over budget. It was uh, there was a lot of scheduling issues. And once the film came out, they they were really trying to aim, I think, for Christmas, and it didn't work. It out. was, yeah, it yeah. came out. It actually came out on Black Friday because yeah. I remember because I went and saw it, 
and I fell asleep during it. Yeah, it, w- it was a bad time for it to come out. There was a lot of <laughs> just issues with it, unfortunately. And it's un- it is unfortunate because, like James said, the film, for all the troubles that they had, did, like... It's great for what it is. Like he, Steven Spielberg. It's was still a Steven Spielberg together. film. Yeah, so. it was still put together very well. There were all the issues you would have never known in watching it. Like it, it was not well at all. Done. But as Nabil said, it did go over budget quite a bit. Yeah, and ultimately it just didn't come back. So I mean, take, give it a look. It's not a bad movie. Yeah, I, I've actually never seen it. Yeah, I would yeah. recommend it. It's, huh. not a, it's a cool little adventure. It's almost a little bit like Indiana Jones esque. Yeah. That's the French Indiana Jones. Exactly. Um, what about you, Marco? I chose a film that's very dear to my childhood. And as you all know, I'm old as fuck. So, of course, I chose a movie that's uh, very old. And- Steamboat Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. 1931, 32. Yeah. Right? You know, he's there. He's whistling. He, you don't know what's going to happen when he's turning the wheel. No, um, he's like sword in the stone. <laughs> yeah, what? But you know what? Actually, that was that was a close one. <laughs> Fuck, I should have thought of that one. It's Disney though. Yeah. So, yeah. So it wouldn't have worked. No, uh, <laughs> I ended up choosing uh, an American Tale. A Don Bluth film. From 1986. Yeah, I know. It's very old. But uh, that's precisely why I chose it. Because it's probably something that our young listeners have probably never seen. Or it's something that people that we know with kids have once again it's a forgotten movie, about. A movie that I don't think they just advertise enough. Because no. I remember watching it back in the 90s. My wife loves this movie. She's she's brought it up to me many times. Have you never yeah. seen this? I have. I've seen it okay. a couple times. Oh, Just yeah. make sure. I uh yeah, I first saw it. Obviously, I didn't see it in theaters. So I was three when this movie came out. <laughs> I wasn't but, born yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, we know. The majority of the people probably listening to this uh, weren't born. So it uh yeah, it was directed by Don Bluth, who has done quite a few favorites. Uh, you know, he did Pete's Dragon. Uh, he did yeah he started out as a disney animator yeah and then he branched off after he left or fired from the company yeah either or it's it's debatable how you know how you want to view that but uh he's he's done an ensemble of movies land before time was another one all dogs go to heaven the secret of nim all these classics he's Uh, he's definitely a unique style which is uh pretty easy to see as soon as you know what a don bluth movie looks like yeah but the i mean the animation is still really great and oh yeah uh, yeah and that's one of the things that i liked about this movie that i'll, I'll go into but no notable actors in the movie are uh philip glasser who plays the the main character five maskowitz uh dom de louise who plays tiger the cat christopher Plummer, who plays Henri the French the French pigeon, which I actually didn't even know until recently. I was like, I didn't no idea that that was Christopher Plummer. Is there anything he can't do, guys? Right? It doesn't because it doesn't sound like him at all. When you when you think back, at least I can remember what the voice sounds like. I can't mimic that voice because I can't do a French accent to save my life. But it just does not sound. I like haven't seen Plummer. it in so long. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. But real quick, the plot is uh, while emigrating to the United States, a young Russian mouse gets separated from his family and must relocate them while trying to survive in a new country. And in order to go off of that, Fivel Mouskovitz and his uh, Russian family move to the United States uh, because they're 
seeking refuge and they're escaping a, a really corrupt government from their own home. And along the way, he gets lost and he has these adventures in uh, New York starting off of, uh, uh, oh my gosh, I can't think of, uh, Ellis Island, or at least they're the cartoons version of Ellis Island. <laughs> and the animation, like I was saying before, is, is just, it's great, at least from, from my memory. I haven't seen it recently. But there are some really good visuals for this cartoon, especially it being all the way from 1986, that... Uh, really capture the eye that really make the 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 film unique and that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about it um, the performances are really great I think the voice acting in this was done very well and it's one of the other things that I enjoyed I truly actually cared about the characters even as a kid and of course the 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 whole movie, be it being a kids' movie and a cartoon, is filled with an with an ensemble of music which I I also enjoyed and would sing along to as a kid but it's it, it's it's fun and it's adventurous it's not really like action-packed or anything you just see uh five surviving just random adventures throughout the city and in the movie i guess their their main nemesis are cats yeah. and so that's the main thing that all the mice are running away from it's got a nice surprising little twist in it towards the end that i don't want to spoil but I remember just being shocked by it when I was a kid and seeing it for the first time. It was like, no way. But uh, you'll have to see it in order to find out what it is. Uh, I really enjoyed the chemistry between the character of Fievel and Tiger the cat, even though that happens later in the movie. It's just one of the most memorable things. And the song that they sing called Duo is was... At was least was back Don DeLuise in every single John Bluth movie? I, I think so, man. I feel like he is. But yeah. I mean, John Bluth, I mean, the animation, I, as opposed to Disney films of the time, too, which were somewhat struggling in the 80s, where it's like a much nitty grittier, kind of more realistic kind of um, vibe to it. It's kind of hard yeah. to describe until yeah. you compare two movies. Yeah. But um, I, I mean, those are some of the movies I grew up on, too. So, yeah. But two of my favorite scenes from the movie are when Henri is showing Fievel his Statue of Liberty. Supposedly in the cartoon, a pigeon is building up the uh, Statue of Liberty. But it's a really great visual, and also towards the end, well, when they use a specific device in order to defeat the cats, its its visuals are very striking, very full of color, and I thought that that was really cool in a, in a cartoon movie. So um, I highly recommend it, if uh, especially if you have kids and you've never introduced them to this movie. I think it's a great classic. I think they'll enjoy it. They'll have fun, uh, and you'll definitely hear them sing along to these songs for weeks on end, but... That's my recommendation, An American cool. Tale. So what about you, Nabil? What uh, what animated film do you recommend to a fan or a friend? Well, for me, I had to, to dig deep into some of the my childhood and some of the films I haven't seen in quite some time. Is it a British cartoon? It's not a British cartoon. Okay. <laughs> sure. So my recommendation is actually uh, a film from 1992, uh, Friend Gully. Just beyond your dreams, there is a secret world. Where every sound is a song, every tree a home, and humans exist only in fairy tales until now. This is a tale of a magical place. You shrank me? Yeah. Catches on quick, doesn't it? Are you really a human? I'm Zack. <laughs> I'm Krista. We're high flying creatures. <laughs> 
I can see it's a miracle. Don Bluefield as well. Yes, it is. Well, the characters here are Samantha Mattis. She plays as Krista. Christian Slater is Pips. Robin Williams is actually in this film as Fatty. And Tim Curry, which I didn't know was the voice until just right now, was uh, played Hexus, um, which is the evil sludge monster. Um, so this is about some magical inhabitants of a rainforest. Um, they try to fight to save their home because it's threatened by logging and polluting, uh, some kind of polluting force of destruction, which is Hexus. The fairy people never uh, have never actually seen humans before, and ac- the main person, Krista, accidentally shrinks one down. His name is Zach. And she, uh, she uh, gets in kind of trouble by her Fern Gully group, I guess, the other fairies. Um, because Zach is actually part of the logging team that's there to cut down the forest. One of the things that uh, I really liked about this film is that, especially now for kids who haven't seen it, that it, it is very much about environment and forests and yeah. you know being being uh, conscious about the things that we use and and why and what we do. And I know James and and Marco, you guys are both advocates, or you know of like taking care of the environment and you care about making sure that we have a you know a clean world i don't um, recycle so i don't know what you're talking well, about. i'm just kidding yeah no you're right um, you must have mistaken with yeah, someone else <laughs> who these people are no i'm just kidding um this movie i think really sells that point really well it's it's, it's a 90s film the, the guy zach he he's rocking to with his tape walkman thing to, i remember him nah, walking nah, nah, through nah, with the the spray can on the trees right? exactly but they they do a really good job, especially with uh, the character Hexus, to scare children about pollution and the toxic forces and how it's creeping into the forest. And I remember that that used to really freak me out as a kid watching that. And I didn't realize the bat was Robin Williams. Yeah, and neither did I. Um, this is all new to me. I haven't seen this movie in probably. I knew that Chris. That's Slater one thing I did remember about this. Twenty five years probably. Yeah, it's been a long time. But some really good voice acting. The animation's fun. Yeah. Um, the. The whole fairy world thing, I mean, it's it's people living in the forest. You're, you're As an adult, you're not going to really think much of it. But for kids, I think it's it's just kind of an interesting perspective about making um, kids see that what impacts are to the environment and what we have to do. I mean, you, you cut down trees for paper and, other resor- and for wood and other resources, but there are consequences to the people living in there, um, the animals that live in the forest and the, the rest of the plant life. And that does really kind of sell that point to you to let you know what it affects and why. I mean, it's it's. You could even say some parts of Avatar is uh, loosely based off of I mean, that. Yeah, that's you a know, joke. to an extent, you know, <laughs> something nothing to stress from it. So, so definitely, I think that it's a very relevant film. Um, something if you if you've never watched it, um, I think it's just a good thing. It's it's going to be a bit campy now watching it so many years later because, like I said, it's very much a '90s film. But the message is still strong, and I think it's it's something good to teach children. Um, so I recommend anybody that if you haven't seen it, I, I didn't find it in any streaming services uh, myself, but it may be um, available to to actually rent online. Um, oh, so yeah. I recommend anybody who hasn't seen the film to definitely watch it. Nice. And let's go through real quick. I know, Marco, you wanted us to do an honorable mention that almost made the cut. Yes. So let me just go to mine because I know you and I have the same one. I was going to recommend the anime Akira. Akira. Sorry. From 1988, which is basically like the anime that popularized anime in the United States. Yeah. One of the yes. leading movies. I think you both have seen it by now, obviously. Yes. Marco, you have. Nabil, I think I'll let you borrow it. Many times. Um, it's one of those movies that just is visually striking. As a kid, I think even, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of anime outside of like Pokemon or like Gundam Wing back in the day. So when I got into more serious anime, I think 
Akira was the probably the first one that I watched as like a primer for everything else, leading up to some weirder shit, I guess. Yeah. Because anime is, I always feel like anime is still kind of an acquired taste. It's not for everyone, but it's one of those movies. I mean, the more you watch, the kind of the more you get it. Yeah. But yeah, that was my one that I would recommended. And I I agree. I still remember when I first saw it. I was a kid, and the Sci Fi Channel used to do these anime marathons and during the summer and my brother and i would look forward to them and eventually they showed akira as one of their featured films and we were just blown away by just uh it's uh, it's grandeur because it, it's just it's great for especially for something coming from 1988 the animation still holds up the story is still great and it's um it's one of those epic tales of like sci-fi and action that that just keeps you on the edge of your seat so I I definitely like that as an honorable mention. Nice. Mine is uh, also an anime, but not Akira, unfortunately. Um, it's a Funimation film called Your Name that came out in 2016, actually. And I think we we may have briefly talked about it at one point on this pod. Yeah, it came out here stateside last year. Yeah. Um, and it's essentially it's about two strangers. They find themselves linked in a weird way. Um, but when their connection forms, there's something that actually seems weird because they're they may or may not works, be though. together yeah and what i like about this anime and why i recommend it it's a honestly it's a great gateway into just japanese animation because there's not a lot of fan service there's um it's actually the also the most successful anime that's ever been released yes it profit has. wise yeah it's made really? a lot of money wow i um, haven't even heard of it story is very uh simple you kind of there's a good twist um, and you you don't realize it and you say oh this makes it even better and it's a very touching story it's about a, you know, they're they're teenagers or it's like a body they, swapping one yeah it's they're kind very, of understanding themselves yeah. and there's a relationship that forms out of between the two they actually end up having a, a meaningful relationship out of this body swapping thing and they kind of get out of their head on their own lives but it's it's like I said it's a very just straightforward animation too it's nothing like that anybody that might be intimidated by watching kind of any anime anime shows. Um, would it's be very approachable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's a really just a good gateway into anime if you haven't watched anything. Akira, I think it's it's kind of like what you guys are saying. It's very good, awesome movie, but can be difficult for a lot of people to get yeah. into with, especially with some of the tones and the themes. I mean, when every time I watch it, I kind of get grossed out and creeped out by some yeah, of the scenes. It's, it's well. a very deep movie. Yeah. It's it's not hits. easy to follow, and it's probably something Akira is definitely one you'd have to watch multiple times in order to understand the storyline yeah yeah but i definitely uh recommend watching your name and 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 uh to get yourself kind of get your feet wet in the anime world nice. i may have to check that one out all right guys let's move on now to our review of spider-man into the spider-verse ladies and gentlemen my name is miles morales Brooklyn! i'm the one and only spider-man at least that's what i thought you ever hear of the Super Collider? You're gonna love this. Dimension opening now. You're like me. That's impossible. All right, kid, listen up. This fry is your universe. It's soggy, it's weird, it's gross. And this delicious normal fry is my universe. So you wanna learn to be Spider-Man? Can you teach me? Yes, I can. Time to swing. Ah, Good, doing you're doing it. it. Double tap to release and whip it out again. Okay. Whip. And release your natural swim. All right, so the IMDb description of this one is Miles Morales becomes a Spider-Man of his reality and crosses paths with his counterparts from other dimensions to stop a threat to all of reality. This is directed by Bob Pershetti. Sorry, 
butchering that name, Peter Ramsey, who directed Rise of the Guardians in 2012, and Rodney Rothman. So this has like a ton of people in it. I'm just going to tell it briefly here. So Shamik Moore, who uh, was in the movie Dope, is Miles Morales. Jake Johnson is Peter B. Parker. Haley Steinfeld is Gwen Stacy. Mahershala Ali is Uncle Aaron. Brian Tyree Henry from Atlanta is Jefferson Davis. Lily Tomlin is Aunt May. Zoe Kravitz is Mary Jane. Comedian John Mulaney is Spider-Ham. Kimiko Glenn is Penny Parker. Nicholas Cage is Spider-Man Noir. Catherine Hahn is Doc Ock. Lieb Schreiber is Wilson Fisk. And Chris Pine is Peter Parker. Let's start with you here, Nabil. Yay or nay? Oh, it was great. Hands down my favorite animated film of the year. They did Spider-Man Justice. They did a really good telling of the Ultimate Spider-Man universe. Um, good introduction to Miles Morales. Which, as, just as a preface, everyone, Nabil is a very big Spider-Man fan. Yeah. Indeed he is. More so than, I think, anyone else at this table, so. Yeah, like, like these guys love Star Wars, the same amount that I love Spider-Man. All right, Marco, what did you think? Uh, it's a hard yay for me. I, I thought it was amazing. No pun intended. I went into the movie with not really low expectations, but just not knowing what to expect because we're so spoiled by the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. True. And seeing a standalone movie, I wasn't sure how I would react to it. And it being animated as well. And let's be honest, the trailer didn't really do this movie justice. It, it just made it seem a little too silly. But there's more depth to the movie than that trailer gives. I'm glad they don't show you a lot in this trailer, right? Yeah, I really enjoy that too because the the movie just delves uh, into a lot deeper than what the trailer gives us. The performances were great. I think that every character in here uh, was really good at uh, the character that they were portraying. the The plot was very was very good. The stakes were high, which I enjoyed. And the character arc of Miles Morales was there, and I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked that he actually had to struggle in order to become Spider-Man. It wasn't an easy road. And at any given moment that you expected him to finally become Spider-Man, it was just, nope, he has to go through one more obstacle before he can finally get there. I appreciated that. It's it's really good when an animated movie makes you care and feel for a character, and this movie actually did that for me. And the relationships that Miles Morales had in there with his family and with his uncle were very deep and well-seated. And I thought that the movie executed it very well. So definitely yay. Yeah, this is a yay for me as well. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Going into this one, it already had some really high reviews. So I was going in with pretty high expectations. And I really liked it. It plays a lot of uh, kind of throwback to the other like Sam Raimi Spider-Man films as well which was really cool to see. And just the performances themselves were cool. I like the whole Spider-Verse, although I'm not as, I mean, no pun intended, well-versed <laughs> in the um, <laughs> Spider-Verse universe or the Ultimate. But, um, I mean, I was asking to build a lot of questions during the movie because I genuinely was like, huh, that's interesting. And it's one of those things where I think it had a good mix of plot. The pacing was really well done. If anything, I wanted to see more at the after the end of it, too. Same. Um, I thought the animation itself was really unique. It is practically a living, breathing comic book yeah. come to life, which was like a really cool um, effect that they come off with in that entire movie. It had some very dramatic moments as well, which I didn't expect it to have, because as Marco was saying, it does come off a little bit goofy in the trailers, especially when you see like um, Peter Porker as Spider-Ham. And you're like, this is yeah. 
Okay, this is cool. Who I didn't think I would enjoy, but I actually did. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, everybody gets their chance to shine. It's really cool because every there's quite a lot, as you could hear, there was quite a lot of characters in this one. There's even a twist to it that I didn't see. I don't know if Nabil probably already knew that ahead of time. But for me, there was a twist on one of the villains as well. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And even the actions in the first 30 minutes of the movie, I was like, did not see that coming. But makes sense. The way so. it incorporates music with the action in some scenes, I think, is great, too. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's very well balanced. In that and can manner. we mention, man, that them kicks is fire. Dude, <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, don't worry, guys. James will be sporting and showing us soon. Actually, I got them yesterday. So, technically, I should wear them today. I, I thought you were going to wear them today. I was very disappointed. Yeah. Sorry. I so, think it's because I told you how much I like them and you were afraid I was going to steal them. So. I don't want to get these ruined. <laughs> Let's move on here to guys. So what was, for instance, Nabil, what was the best thing for you that worked in this movie? What did you think maybe didn't work on this movie? I honestly, I do like that they shared a lot of the screen time um, with the different characters they were introducing because uh, it would have just been as easy as just to introduce them and then they're just kind of there, you know, when you need They all them. get pretty equal yeah, time. But they yeah. all have pretty equal time. You get to spend a little bit of time with that. Um, and... The story is much more dramatic than I thought they were going to go. I thought, I, like you guys Especially said. Especially PG, yeah. right? I was like, oh, okay. there's There's a lot of dark stuff that happens over here. Yeah. Um, and I, from a comic book perspective, I thought it was great the way they did that. Um, but it's definitely, if you're kind of concerned about ch- younger children, seeing something that's a bit more violent and possibly concerned about death, I wouldn't recommend watching it just under that premise because there's yeah. a lot of that involved in, inside the, uh, the movie itself. But that worked really well, I think, for me. What didn't work, I would say, would be um, the they they try to create a certain relationship between a, a couple characters with Miles Morales, which I thought on the surface was great. But I think they tried to they were trying to make it seem deeper, specifically between his uncle and his father, and kind of the dynamic between those two. I have a question, Nabil. Yeah. Is that his dad? Why is his name Jefferson Davis and? I, Can you I explain don't, that? I don't remember the reason why the names are different, but that is his dad. Okay. Yeah. But I will say that one of the things that I found um, didn't work was just they, they were trying to create a dyna- dynamic between his uncle and, and his father and saying that, oh, he respects the uncle a lot, but they never really explained too much about it. So um, there's a couple of scenes over there that I just felt could have been stronger. Not necessarily that they were bad, but they could have been better. Okay. What about you, Marco? I say what worked was the overall plot introducing multiple universes into this yeah. because it's it's sort could of be, like could be difficult. Yeah, it's a heavy-handed plot, especially in a cartoon. It could be confusing to kids and to some general audiences, especially if you're not really into sci-fi or or that type of of theory. But they handled it so well and explained it like with such ease. And I guess it being animated, they could do it and 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 play it in such a fun way. Yeah, definitely. In, in the way they did it. Um, I like that the way they showed the, the origin stories was was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the various versions of Spider Man all worked. Each one had their moment to shine, as as uh, as we mentioned. I I'd say that uh, Nicholas Cage killed it <laughs> as yeah. noir Spider Man, and I, again I'll I'll say it. Um, Spider Ham was also had his his moments, and he was the one I thought I'd. Uh, like the least. It's so John Mulaney, though. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, Gwen <laughs> Stacy had her time to shine, who isn't one... Uh, Spider-Gwen isn't one character that's super well-known in the Spider-Man universe, at least to most people who aren't familiar with Spider-Man, and I thought that it was great to, to introduce her into it. 
Um, I, I never knew that there was a female version of Doc Ock, too. I don't know if Nabil knew this or not, but I thought that that was very interesting, and it surprised me that that was introduced. What didn't work, I'd have to agree with uh, Nabil. The, the relationship between Miles' dad and his uncle Aaron wasn't really strong enough. However, the, the, the scenes where they, they try to connect and something big happens, and we'll, we'll say that in spoilers, I still think that even though the relationship wasn't really established, it's, that scene still worked, but they could have done something to make that relationship stronger. So there's, there's not much that didn't work for, right. for me in this movie. Because even like James was saying, I was still left wanting more after I left watching this movie. So um, if I'm nitpicking, I'd say that, yeah, I agree with the bill. That, that just, that's the only thing that really didn't work for me. What about you, James? I would say the animation was fantastic. That's the best thing that worked here. I like the fact that in this kind of animated film, they can even show like Wilson Fisk as a literal like giant. Yeah. And um, same with like Green Goblin. They show variations of things that would be would look weird, I guess, in a non-animated film. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed the style of it all. There was a bit of a like a it was kind of like a kind of a coolness to everything in this one. Like everything looked really cool. Those shoes, man. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what you, didn't you sure work? You don't have them in the trunk? <laughs> Can I go look? Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> what didn't work on this one was I thought, although Gwen Stacy was cool, I thought they were hinting at a little bit more between her and Miles. Yeah. And I don't think that it's ever played out. Supposedly, like, there's a sequel announced that's supposed to explore that more. That's what they've already said. But I never felt like Miles needed like a romantic interest in this movie. It wasn't really necessary to yeah. his like his inner struggle with like dealing with like becoming who he is and like his family too. Yeah. And, um, I would say, yeah, I, I agree with you guys too. Probably the uncle Aaron stuff was kind of the weaker part of it too. It just kind of seems just like, and also they yeah. had drama with this because yeah. uncle Aaron became a thug and is uncle Aaron's last name Davison? <laughs> I would assume so. Yes. <laughs> also, you know what? I don't like the fact that they don't fucking clarify <laughs> who the fuck Jefferson Davis is. <laughs> That's my issue. <laughs> God damn it. Is it, I mean, are they, out of wedlock, they had Miles? <laughs> is that it? Dun, dun, dun. Or does it just sound cool to have a, a name as Miles Morales as opposed to Miles Davis, which is a oh, look at that. jazz musician? Mm. Huh, interesting. Bingo. Oh, that Done. movie. Thanks, guys. It. Check us you out, Podcast it. 38. <laughs> no. The movie was kind of jazzy. I, I, I mean, it was more hip-hop-y. Yeah, hip-hop-y and jazzy, yeah. yeah. Fire-ass soundtrack, too, mm. by the way. It was Dude, good. yeah. I got to say that, too, the music here. Um, so, guys, after the uh, garbage fire that was Venom, um, do you well, guys though. think Sony got a handle on this now? Since um, I mean, they've already announced a sequel, and there's going to be a spinoff here with all female cast too. There is. I didn't know that. Yeah, two uh-huh. movies announced. I will say, Sony Animation has a better handle of things than yes. Sony Pictures. <laughs> Sony Animation has a good track record of really good movies overall. I um, agree, and, and and they make money. They make good money too. But Sony Pictures is very good at running things to the ground when they have a good thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if this also becomes. Uh, a dumpster fire later on in the future. I gotcha. Yeah. Perfect balance now, too. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. I think if they, if they keep this formula going, then they could make successful sequels, but we'll have to see. I got you there. And I originally had this in the spoiler section, but it doesn't make sense being in there. Um, does this one, does this movie work better as an animated film, or would you have preferred to see it as a live action? And you guys have already heard kind of my point on why I think animated worked for this. Because of the characterization of certain, like the villains, for instance, too. 
I actually did appreciate that it's a little over the top and they get to show a lot more, especially with, I mean, I don't think it'd be even possible to show Spider-Ham without it being <laughs> fucking weird and non-animated, but what's yeah. your guys' opinions? Yeah, because of the specific plot and the characters and the way they went about it, animated was the way to go. It's it's the only way to make it comic booky and make it make sense because it's already animated. Uh, transferring this into a live action would be would be hard and we'd probably end up like something as ridiculous as Venom. Yeah, and and to that point too, a lot of obviously all the all the live action superhero films, they're always trying to be grounded in reality and they're trying to make that a key focus like this could happen, but hey, this is also something fantastical. And that's that's a I mean Marvel's got a great track record. DC has been trying to step that up too, but <laughs> I'm not going to comment any more than that. But um you know, it's always trying to be grounded in realism, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The the fact that they were able to animate this and get the story they wanted to and make it like a comic book, that is what I, I look for and what I really enjoyed in this film is that you don't have to keep it factual. You know, it's a comic book. There's a lot of crazy things going on. There's a lot of references half the people in the audiences aren't going to get. Um, and there's a talking pig. Like, yeah, there's and there's less room for disbelief. Yeah, when it's you, animated, and you can suspend yourself into the story with how well the animation was put like, together. I get it. Some, yeah, I get it. Yeah, like it can be fun, and um, I really like this. And honestly, I think it's one of my uh, favorite. Uh, Spider-Man Speaking of which, I was going to ask you guys too. Where would you rank this then in um, all time Spider-Man films? I'd probably rank this as my number two. What's your number one? It'd be Spider-Man two for the Sam Raimi one. Nice, good choice. What about you, Marco? I I. It's right underneath my number one, and they're interchangeable, to be honest. And your number one is? Homecoming. I know it's blasphemous, blasphemous, but yeah, not Homecoming, sorry. No, mine would be the same as Nabil's. It'd be two, this one, and then one, then Homecoming, probably, for me. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. All right, guys, let's go into our spoiler section. I want to just touch on one thing here, just because uh, we can talk about it in spoilers. So if you have not seen this, which we recommend you do, check it out. Skip this section ahead and go to our outro. Stop listening to us. And here it is. All right, guys, so back from our little uh, spoiler-sounding thing there. So I'm going to change it up a little bit here, guys, even from what I've written. What do you guys... What's your most memorable moment in the film? The moment that you really felt kind of defined the film for you? And... What was the moment maybe that you thought they could... I mean, you don't have to go over that if they can touch it up or something. Go into you, Nabo. Um, honestly, what I really enjoyed the most was the, the... They showed in the trailer where Peter B. Parker and Miles Morales are just swinging into trees and they're learning how to swing. Like It's almost a throwback to the video game, by the way. Exactly. They just kind of funny. They're just having fun, enjoying being Spider-Man, and that's kind of what I like about it is just that... Though there's a lot of serious stuff he has to deal with, at the end of the day, just being able to go around the city or, in this case, a bunch of trees and just swing. He even calls it out as saying, you know, that's the basic part of being a Spider-Man is being able to swing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can't just run. <laughs> um, and that right there, that whole ending part of that scene was, I think, what my favorite thing was. Nice. What about you, Marco? The reveal of Uncle Aaron as the, the prowler. prowler and yeah. his yeah. death scene. And how that impacts Miles Morales and his family. It's they, they did it such a great job in the fact that they went ahead with that and weren't afraid to, you know, kill him off like that. That was kind of shocking for me. I was like, no, they're not gonna kill him off. He's gonna live, right? He got shot. He'll live. He'll be in the hospital, be arrested. Nope, they kill him. And that 
that reaction from from Miles and even his dad when his when his dad goes to talk to him and Miles can't talk can't move mm-hmm. was just so good. I uh, I just thought that for an animated film that's a pretty powerful scene, and yeah. that's what. I mean, there was a lot more that that won me over, but that was something that really stood out for me. I think the same thing for me. The scene where um, Uncle Aaron gets killed too, right yeah. on the like gets out of nowhere, like fuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. And when um, Jefferson Davis goes to talk to Miles, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's a very touching moment. By the way, shout out to Brian Tyree Henry for fucking killing it recently, yeah. man. Either this kid. Widows Atlanta, fucking great, dude. Yeah. I didn't even realize it was him. By the way. Until after, I was like, "My God!" Yeah, I didn't either. I'm like, that voice is very familiar to me, but I couldn't pinpoint it. Huh. So that scene is really great. I think it's also one of the the more memorable scenes that ultimately topped it for me as well. Was kind of the introduction to that first part of Peter Parker with Chris Pine because he's supposed to be sort of like the perfect Spider Man, the perfect kind of the Sam Raimi Spider Man. Yeah, I like that too. Spider Man. And did you know that uh, they actually were uh, thinking about approaching? What's his name? Toby uh, McGuire to do the voice originally for him. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, so they would have super connected, but he's supposed to be the one they're talking about. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that because, man, those movies outside of the third one being a, another dumpster fire, solid films, man. Although yeah. I did like the Venom in that movie a lot better now. I, I'm not yeah. going to comment. Once I got to finish Venom, remember, I fell asleep, so. <laughs> so. Any closing comments, guys? Uh, just go out there and see this movie. Uh, it's great. It's one of the better comic book movies out there right now, and I've seen it twice already. So if you haven't seen it, you definitely got to go see it now. Yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely worth watching. Um, and just the way they tell the story in itself, if you're a comic book fan overall, um, this is just a great film for fans. Ditto. And basically, everything you guys said, it's a fantastic film. It's good for kids and adults. Uh, give it a look especially during the holiday time right now. It's a really touching movie. All right, guys, so that is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. And once again, thank you, everybody, for feedback, response, reviews. Marco, can you let them know how to reach us, please? Yes. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash moviepalspod. And you can also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at moviepalspod. And really quick, just want to give out two special shout outs uh, to some of our friends on Instagram. Just a very special thanks to at Sean Ryan Takes Photos and at LR Farm Designs. We appreciate your guys' support. We love to support uh, other talents as well. So anybody listening to us, feel free to check these guys out on their Instagram. We love you all. All right, guys. And tune in next time where we will be actually doing the podcast from waterfront comics with a special guest john that is right so yeah we're gonna be reviewing the new dc film aquaman until then this is james and marco and nabil have a good one